0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope For Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today. And listen, today is a very important broadcast because today I'm talking to you about how to be a spiritual warrior, how to be more than a conqueror. Now, today we have a really bad dad joke, okay? Now, it's really a story, okay? So one Sunday morning during children's church, The kids were learning a new song with this line. He has conquered every foe. Now most kids had that puzzled look on their faces. So the teacher who was really on top of things said, well, maybe they don't know what that word foe means. Well, you know what a foe is? A foe is an enemy. Well, the teacher got caught up in the zone and went into further explanation. The name of our foe or one of our foes begins with the letter D. So the teacher was referring to the devil, of course, but some got immediate insight into a family's politics when one of the children says, oh, you mean letter D? That means our foe is the Democrats. Oh, well, maybe that's not our foe after all. Uh, Really, the foe is the devil and really the foe is ourselves. Listen, I have a hard time getting past myself. By the time I think I've got it all together, something happens, then my whole world begins to fall apart. It begins to unravel. So what do you do at times like this? Well, I try to get back into God's Word. That's where I find the strength. Now, listen, I was driving over here today to do the broadcast, and I was coming back from the hospital, and I was coming back from Norfolk General. Many of you know where that is. And as I'm coming back uh, to get to the western branch of Chesapeake, I said, I better use my GPS to to find the shortest way to go there. Well, I found out GPS is not always reliable. After spending about 10 minutes driving around in circles behind the uh, Chesapeake Square Mall, I said, I'm going back to the route that I know. I'm going back on the interstate, and I'm going to find my destiny. Well, maybe you need to get back on the right route, right? Instead of wandering around in the neighborhood we we'll driving around in circles, let's get back to the Word, right? The Word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. So today, we want to talk about how to be more than conquerors. We're looking at a very important passage in Romans chapter number 8. Now, as we look at this passage, it's very important for us to remember, we're coming at the end of Romans chapter 8. So in previous broadcasts, we have talked about the fact that we are no longer condemned, right? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We talked about the fact that when we suffer, all things work together for good, God has a purpose in our suffering. God has a plan for our suffering. And now today, we're getting at the bottom of Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, and I'm going to give you how to become a conqueror. So this is going to be in the broadcast today, and then you got to join me tomorrow to get the second half, but let's read the text, okay? Beginning at verse number 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, the one that was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Verse 35. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, what a great passage of Scripture this is. What an encouragement this is. Well, do you want to be a spiritual warrior Do you believe that you can conquer all of these things that Paul talks about? Tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword. I want you to know you can. It is a couple of things that those who are warriors understand. They have some mindsets that are different than those who are not warriors. Listen, I am a conqueror, number one, because God is unconditionally for me. Paul says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, there is not a condition here. God is with me. Nothing can separate me from his love. Now, Peter weighs into this when he says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt you in due time. Cast all your worries upon him, because he cares for you. Listen, God is for me. If you're a believer in Christ, he is unconditionally for me. What can I say to these things? If God is for me, who can be against us? Listen, these things are the dozens of amazing proofs of God's unfailing love. And he gives us a list. Romans chapter 8 contains many of the cherished verses that really bring us comfort. Here's just a couple of Romans chapter 8. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's verse number one. And then we go down and we face difficult times. when We get down to verse number 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purposes. Verse number 31 in Romans chapter 8 is really a combination of all of these promises. It reminds us that God is with us. Listen, when we think about the depth of God being with us, God being for us, he is on our side, he is working on our behalf, he is working out for our own good, he has proved his benevolence to us, and that he adopts us into the family of God. We learn that in Romans chapter 8, verse number 15. You know, I have such a great person, not because I am a great person in and of myself. It's because I belong to Christ. I am his. I have been bought with a price, and he has given me, and he's given you, his spirit. So here's a follow-up question. If God is unconditionally for me, he's given me his spirit, there's no condemnation in me. Who can be against me? Paul is actually giving a rhetorical question. It's another way of saying, there is no one who could possibly be more powerful than God, and if God is for me, nobody else can destroy me. You know that you are invincible until God has finished his purpose in you. You see, the idea is not that we will never face opposition, it's simply that our opposition is doomed to failure. They may be against us but they're not going to be successfully going against us. Since God is on our side, we have nothing to worry about. This is a recurring theme throughout the Bible. Paul is not the only one who talked about it. David talked about it. I love how he talks about it in the book of Psalms, for example. Psalm 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is with me. I'm not going to be afraid. And then I love this question. What can mere mortals do to me? In other words, they can't do a thing because God is with me me. Now, Elisha, he was a great prophet of yesteryear. And so, Elijah was told, don't be afraid, Elisha. Why should I not be afraid? Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. God was reminding Elisha that you've got more on your side than the enemy has on his side, and God is with you. The psalmist says in Psalm 56 verse 9, my enemies will turn back when I call for help. But this I will know that God is for me. Don't you know that it's great to be able to call upon the Lord when your enemies are coming up against you and they're attacking you and you're thinking, how am I going to get through this mess? Paul said to the Hebrew believers, we can say with confidence, Hebrews 13, 6, that the Lord is my helper. I'm not going to be afraid. And there's that phrase again, what can mere mortals do to me? I love the story of a preacher of yesteryear. He had some arch enemies. As a matter of fact, he had one guy that was so ticked off with him that one day he met the pastor in his office and he had snuck a gun in with him. And uh, as he's sitting down with the pastor, he pulls out this gun and he threatens to kill the pastor. And he says to the pastor, I hate you so much, I'm going to kill you right now. That pastor just stood up behind his desk, straightened out his jacket, and he walked away and says, you know what? You can't threaten me with heaven. What can mere mortals do to me? Psalm 127 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold in my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, I know that sometimes our hearts respond to verses like this, and we say, man, I don't know about this. You say, I know that I I have nothing to fear, but right now the IRS is coming against me. Right now, I'm dealing with my in-laws. I'm dealing with terrorists and corrupt politicians. And the list goes on and on and on. Well, our real-life enemies seem to overshadow the ideas that are conveyed here in Romans chapter 8. But I want you to know, despite spiritual promises, we still have to endure physical and mental and emotional struggles. So, I want you to remember, we are more than conquerors. Now, the guy who wrote this, Paul, The guy who wrote Romans 8.31 faced many of the same struggles that we face today and many more. As a matter of fact, one day you ought to just read some of the things that the Apostle Paul went through. His sufferings, just some of them, are listed in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And as you look at this, we discover that Paul was shipwrecked three times. We see that Paul was left for dead. One time they had to lower him down in a basket over a wall to protect him. One time he was almost stoned to death, and they didn't quite kill him. They thought he was dead. Paul, you know, knocked those rocks off, and he went back and he preached a message to those same people that were trying to stone him. I don't know about you, but if that were me, I'd be heading the other way. But Paul understood that he was invincible, until God was finished with him. As a matter of fact, when he looked at his life, and he looked at all of the credentials, all of the things that he had amassed, all of the great credentials in his life. And he says, you know what all these things are? I consider all of this garbage compared to knowing Christ. You see, he had learned the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment is found not in what I have, but in who has me. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe today you're feeling like the enemy's pressing against you and you don't know what to do. I've been praying for churches in our area and churches throughout our nation that they will remain strong and that they will remain vigilant and that they won't become discouraged because I've been kind of studying churches. And uh, we are living in what I would call a very post-Christian age. Now, I don't think it's quite as bad as it was in the first century, but I look at where we are today and I say, man. It's a lot more difficult to minister today than it was 30 years ago or 40 years ago. But I want you to know the more difficult it becomes, the more God empowers us. I have discovered from my study of churches that when it comes to our day and age that we're living in, there's kind of three responses that churches are having in this really sexualized generation that we're living in. As a matter of fact, there's a church down in Florida, that is facing a lot of uh, kickback just because they required of their members to believe a certain belief. Matter of fact, I'm going to read for you today a statement that they asked their members to agree to. And as I read this statement, I don't think there's anything controversial in it, but some people do. I think that this is basic Christianity one-on-one in what we should believe as believers, okay? And this is what it says. I believe that God created people in his image as either male or female, and that this creation is a fixed matter of human biology, not individual choice. I believe marriage is instituted by God, not by government, and it is between one man and one woman, and is the only context for sexual desire and expression. (laughs) Nothing controversial about that for believers in Christ. But I've discovered that there are some churches today that that has become controversial. So what are most churches doing? Well, I kind of see three things that are happening with churches today. Some churches are having the go along to get along attitude, right? They're affirming all kinds of deviant behavior in the names of we want to be welcoming to everybody, we want to be accepting to everybody, we want to be affirming to everybody. So we don't really care what you believe about your sexuality. You are always invited and infirmed and can be part of our church as a member, can serve and, and be a member in good standing. So that's one group of people. Obviously, they have deviated from the biblical truth about human sexuality. And then there's a second group, I would say, that is a group that believes what the Bible says about human sexuality. They believe that sex should be reserved for marriage and that marriage is one man and in one woman for one lifetime, and they believe that God created either male or female, but they are kind of afraid to take a stand on that. So they're kind of just ignoring it and hoping it doesn't come up in discussion. As a matter of fact, I heard of one pastor, and uh, he was leading his congregation, and, and he never really spent a whole lot of time talking about where their church stood on sexual matters. And he basically says, well, if you're going to join our church— Then you gotta be married. You know, you can't be living in adultery. And so he had a same-sex couple who thought, well, after hearing what the pastor says, all we need to do is get married, and we'll be members in good standing. And so sure enough, they got married, and they were shocked to discover that the church didn't affirm that type of marriage. Well, that kind of amazes me that they would get that far in a process within a church that they don't even know where the church stands on the matter of marriage. Uh, So the first group is the go-along-to-get-along. They're going to affirm any kind of deviant behavior in the name of, we want to welcome everybody. And then you have the second group who really believes in biblical Christianity and biblical mindsets of what marriage is, but they're kind of afraid to rock the boat because they don't want to be ostracized, right? They don't want to be thought ill of. Uh, They don't want to be part of cancel culture. But then you have a third group, And those are the churches that are very loving, very encouraging, as a matter of fact, they love you so much that they will teach you the truth, and they will teach it in an uncompromising way. Now, they're not doing it to get you ticked off. They're not doing it to see, well, what kind of uh, response can we get? But they realize they've got to stand on truth, and they realize that they can't compromise on what the Word of God says. Well, maybe you're feeling like the enemy's coming against you. And you're wondering, am I living in victory? I want you to know that God is for you if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus says that you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You will know that you're my disciples if you obey my commands. And Jesus goes on and says, you know, my commands are not burdensome. Now, if you think God's commands and Jesus's commands upon you are burdensome, It's because you don't know him as your Savior. You don't know him as the Lord of your life. You're not in love with Christ. You're not having that ongoing relationship with him. Listen, when you enter in that relationship with him, I've discovered that that my life still has struggles, but God takes some things away from me. He takes some sins away from me. He takes some desires away from me. That's what my God does. That doesn't mean that I never struggle anymore. As a matter of fact, just this past Sunday, we had a class called Pizza with the Pastor, and we had a starting point class, and we had a young man in that class pray to receive Christ. I asked him to go ahead and, and write the date that he was saved, write in his Bible. This weekend, he's going to get baptized. He's going to make his public profession of his faith. But I said, the reason I want you to write the date that you were saved in your Bible is because... The day is going to come, and it won't be too long down the road. Well, you're going to get discouraged, and you're going to think, did I really mean that prayer? Did I really receive the free gift of salvation? And you can open up your Bible, and you can point to that date that you were born again. Listen, the Bible says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know, for the longest time, I really struggled with the assurance of my salvation. When I was growing up as a teenager, I would listen to pastors preach sermons, and they would say things like this. They would say, now listen, if you have done such and such, maybe the reason you live in that way is because you've never been born again. Well, I'd be looking at my life and i said, well, I just did such and such. Maybe I'm not saved. And I'd go get saved again. I think during my teenage years, I got saved 10 or 12 times. But you know what? I look back to my salvation when I was six years old. I think that's when I truly became born again, but I didn't have the assurance of my salvation. You know what helped me to have assurance of my salvation? I memorized that verse. I just quoted a minute ago. 1 John 5, 13, the spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. You know what else I did to help my assurance of my salvation? I began getting into God's Word. You know, the more I read God's Word, the more I studied God's Word, the more confidence I had in my salvation, the more I realized that God loves me unconditionally. And not only does He love me, He's for me unconditionally. He is on my side. There is not a condition that would cause God to separate Himself from me. He will be with me. Now, listen, if you're going to be a spiritual warrior, if you're going to be one that is constantly on the side of victory, going from victory to victory, then you must have the mindset that God is for me. I'm not on the wrong side. God is for me. God plus me is always the majority. It doesn't matter how the numbers stack up. If God is for me, who can be against me? Here's the second thing we discover also that God is unselfishly sacrificing for me. I can't out-sacrifice him. Verse number 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, this is a wonderful argument, right? Paul is talking about going from the greater to the lesser. If God sent his one and only son to die for me. If he's willing to do that for me, then how will he not also graciously give us all things? I guess it's kind of like saying to your children, hey, I'll pay for your education. I'll pay for you to go to college. I'll pay for some of your living expenses. I'll give you a roof over your head. I'll provide all of the needs that you have. But then... They come to you and says, hey, can I borrow a quarter, Dad? And you say, no, you can't borrow a quarter. <laughs> now, listen, that would be ludicrous. If I'm willing to invest that heavy in my kids, I'm not going to be griping over borrowing a quarter, right? Paul says the same thing about God. If he's willing to give us the very best that he has, won't he graciously give us all things? Paul is telling us here that God sent the very best for us. It is not holding anything back because God is unselfish in the sacrifice that he makes for us. Now listen, there is a great opportunity that is given to you. Don't miss the opportunity of a lifetime. I was reading this story not too long ago about Europe's biggest ever lottery winner. There's a guy who had a winning ticket, and the ticket was worth 66 million euros. Now that's $71 million in American money. Well, this guy was real busy. His wife was getting, I'm sorry, his daughter was getting married. And in the midst of all the wedding chaos, this father of the bride totally forgot to redeem his ticket. Well, according to the news agencies, by the time he realized that he had the right ticket, the right six-figure number ticket, he had missed a deadline. He lost the jackpot of a lifetime. He had forfeited a prize never to be repeated again. What was in his grasp and what was reserved for him passed him by. Well, this man got faint. The man wished that he would remain anonymous and he ends up in the hospital. Did you know back in November of 2022, a mobile gas station in California sold the largest jackpot in all of history? It was a jackpot worth $2.04 billion. The owner of this store, this little mobile gas station, received almost a million dollars for selling this ticket. And one of the decisions that the winner of this jackpot faces whether or not how he should take this lump sum of money or should he spread it out. Listen, there is a, an opportunity that's even better than that. This mobile gas station on the outside of this gas station has several signs that say, Believe in something bigger. I want you to believe in something bigger than winning the jackpot, bigger than winning the lottery. Can you imagine what Christ can do to you if you got to the point where you believe that he is for you unconditionally and you believe that he is unselfishly sacrificing for you? No matter what you do, you cannot out-sacrifice the Lord. God will graciously give us all things. So I'm asking you today, do you want to think like a winner? Do you want to act like a winner? If I'm willing to accept the sacrifice of Jesus, shouldn't I also be willing to accept the commands of Jesus? Oh, His sacrifice was great. And this sacrifice is the sacrifice that God made because He loves us so much. 1 John 5 three says, This is the love of God, that we should keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. All my friends, I want you to join me tomorrow as I give you the second half of this message on how to think like a winner, And I'm talking about a biblical mindset of understanding that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for listening today. If I can pray for you, shoot me a text at 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. God bless you. Thank you for listening today.